Welcome to this week's episode of the Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. I'm your host Georgina from the Nativity of the Theotokos Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Father Jeff Harvey, who will be providing a message from the Gospel according to St. Luke where Christ raises the son of the widow of Nain. This will be followed by short readings from our Philokalic Nourishment series, as well as a selected chanting track. We'll then conclude this week's episode with a reading from our Orthodox Library. But first, we would like to begin this week's episode with the morning prayer service or prayers upon awakening. O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. Glory to you, our God, glory to you. O heavenly King, comforter and spirit of truth, you who are in all places and fill all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life, come to dwell in us, cleanse us from every stain, and save our souls, O gracious one. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. All Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. Lord, cleanse us from our sins. Master, pardon our iniquities. Holy One, visit and heal our infirmities for your name's sake. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen. As we arise from sleep, we fall down before you, O good one, and we cry to you with the hymn of the angels, O mighty one. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God, through the Theotokos have mercy on us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Having raised me from bed and from sleep, O Lord, enlighten my mind and my heart, and open my lips that I may praise you, O Holy Trinity. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God, through the Theotokos, have mercy on us. Both now and ever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Suddenly the judge shall come, and the deeds of each shall be laid bare. But let us cry out with fear in the midst of the night. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God. Through the Theotokos, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. As I rise from sleep, I thank you, O Holy Trinity, 
For because of your great goodness and long suffering, you were not wroth with me, the slothful and sinner. Nor did you destroy me in my iniquities, but did show your wanted love for man. And when I was prostrate in despair, you did raise me to keep the morning watch and glorify your dominion. And now enlighten the eyes of my mind, open my mouth to meditate on your words and to understand your commandments, and to do your will, and to chant to you in heartfelt confession, and praise your all-holy name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen. Glory be to you, O Almighty God and King, for in your divine and man-befriending providence you have deemed me, who am a sinner and unworthy, worthy to rise up from sleep and to enter your holy house. O Lord, receive the voice of my supplication as you receive that of your holy noetic powers and be well pleased that with a pure heart and in a spirit of humility praise be offered to you from my defiled lips so that I, with the radiant lamp of my soul, may also become a communicant with the wise virgins and glorify you, God the Word, glorified in the Father and the Spirit. Amen. O Christ, the true light, who does enlighten and sanctify every man who comes into the world. Let the light of your countenance be signed upon us, that in it we may behold the unapproachable light, and guide our steps in the performance of your commandments by the intercessions of your all-immaculate Mother and of all your saints. Amen. Through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, O Lord Jesus Christ our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is Father Jeff Harvey from the Good Shepherd, 
at Monash University in Melbourne. Today's reading is from St. Luke, chapter 7, verses 11 to 17. Reading from the Orthodox Study Bible. Now it happened the day after that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about Jesus went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. This story from Luke's Gospel today is one of three resurrections performed by our Lord as recorded in the Gospels. The other two were in Luke and one in John. They confirm the promise given to the prophet Ezekiel that God will one day open the graves and raise all the dead, as we're reminded in our creed whenever we say it. In all three cases we see a use of divine power. In each we see indisputable proof that the Prince of Peace is stronger than the King of Terrors and that although death, the last enemy, is powerful, it is not as powerful as our Lord and God and Saviour Jesus Christ. We learn three things from today's Gospel. Firstly, what sorrow sin has brought into the world. Secondly, how deep is the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ's heart. And thirdly, the almighty power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Firstly, we learn from this gospel what sorrow sin has brought into the world. We're told of a funeral at Nain. All funerals are mournful events, but it's difficult to imagine a funeral more mournful than the one that is described here. It was the funeral of a young man, and that young man was the only son of his mother, and that mother was already a widow. There is not an item in the whole story which is not full of misery. And all this misery, we should remember, was brought into the world by sin. Sin being man turning his back on God instead of facing him and moving towards him. God did not create sin at the beginning when he made all things very good according to the account of creation in Genesis. Sin is the cause of it all. In Romans 5, verse 12, St. Paul writes, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. So sin entered into the world when Adam fell, and then death by sin. We should never forget this truth. The world around us is full of sorrow. I don't need to go into any details. We all know. Everywhere we look, 
We see sickness and pain and infirmity and poverty and hard labour and trouble from one end of the world to the other. The history of families is full of lamentation and weeping and mourning and crying. What is the source of all this suffering? Sin is the root to which all must be traced. There would not have been tears, nor weeds, nor illness, nor deaths, nor funerals on the earth if there had been no sin, no turning of backs and moving away from God in rebellion and disobedience. We must endure this sinful and sorrowful state of things patiently because we can't change it. But at the same time, we must thank God that there is a remedy in the gospel and that this present life is not all there is. But in the meantime, we should lay the blame at the right door, the blame at the door of sin. How much we ought to hate sin. Instead of loving it, clinging to it, lingering with it, excusing it, playing with it, we ought to hate it with a deadly hatred. Sin is the great murderer and thief and a worse pandemic than anything else that we have experienced, which is saying a lot right now in the world. Let us make no peace with it. Let us struggle constantly against it. It is the abominable thing which God hates. In Romans 12, verse 9, St. Paul writes, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Abhor means to hate what is evil. We will be much happier if we can be of one mind with God and say we hate what is evil and we cling to what is good. The second thing we learn from these verses is how deep the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ's heart is. We see this beautifully brought out in his behaviour at this funeral in Nain. He meets the mournful procession which was taking the young man to his grave and he is moved with compassion at the sight. He does not wait to be asked to help. There is no indication that his help was asked for or expected. He saw the weeping mother and immediately understood what her feelings were. St Ambrose of Milan comments, As Mary, his own mother, would weep for Jesus at the cross, so this widowed mother was weeping for her only son. But St Ambrose doesn't leave us there in despair. He goes on to say, Yet her tears will be turned to joy by the resurrection, and here a widow's only son is raised from the dead, putting an end to her weeping. Jesus felt very deeply for the woman of Nain. At once he addressed her with three words, which were surprising and moving. He said to her, Do not weep. She must have wondered what on earth he was talking about. But a few seconds later, and the meaning of his words became obvious. The widow's son was returned alive to her. Her darkness was turned into light and her sorrow into joy. The good news is that our Lord Jesus Christ never changes. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. His heart is still as compassionate as when he was on the earth. His sympathy with sufferers is still as strong. We need to remember this and be reassured by it. There is no friend or comforter who can be compared to Christ. In all our days of darkness, which are always more than we would ever wish for, we should learn to always turn to Jesus, the Son of God. He will never fail us, 
never disappoint us and never refuse to be concerned for us in our sorrows. He still lives, who made the widow's heart sing for joy in the gate of Nain. He still lives to receive everyone who is struggling and troubled, if we will only come to him by faith. He still lives to heal the brokenhearted and be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And he lives to do greater things than these one day. He lives to come again to his people, that they may weep no more at all, and that all tears may be forever wiped from our eyes. Lastly, we learn about the almighty power of our Lord Jesus Christ. What greater evidence can we have that the miracle which we're now thinking about? He gives life back to a dead man with a few words. He speaks to a cold corpse and at once it becomes a living person. Young man, I say to you, arise. Seven very simple words, but spoken with extraordinary power. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the heart, the lungs, the brain, the senses kick into action again and do what they're meant to do. And we read that at once, he who was dead sat up and began to speak. We should see in this great miracle a guarantee of that solemn event, the general resurrection, which we remind ourselves of every time we say the creed. Towards the end, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. That, of course, is referring to our own bodily resurrection from the dead at the time of God's choosing sometime in the future. That same Jesus who raised one dead person outside the town of Nain 2,000 years ago shall raise all mankind at the last day. In John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, we read, The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to 52, we read these words of St. Paul. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. When the trumpet sounds and Christ commands, there can be no refusal or escape. All must appear before his judgment seat in our bodies. All shall be judged according to our works. So in this mighty miracle, we see a powerful symbol of Christ's power to give life to those who are already dead in their sins. In him is life. In John 5:21, the evangelist tells us, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Our Lord Jesus Christ gives life to whoever he chooses. He can raise to a new life souls that are now dead in worldliness and sin and rebellion against God. He can say to hearts that now are lifeless, arise to repentance and live in the service of God. So we should never despair of any soul. Let us pray for our children and never lose heart. Our young men and our young women may have already been on the wrong path for some time. We must keep praying for them and never give up. Who knows? The God-man, Jesus of Nazareth, who met the funeral at the gates of Nain, may meet our faith-rejecting children, our faith-rejecting friends, our faith-rejecting co-workers, and say with almighty power, young man or young woman, arise. With Christ, nothing is impossible. We must always 
try to remember these things, which are yet to happen at the last day. We read that fear came upon all at Nain when the young man was raised. What will be the feelings of mankind when all the dead are raised at once? The faithless person may well fear that day. They are not prepared to meet God. But the true follower of Christ has nothing to fear. We may lay ourselves down and sleep peacefully in our graves when that time comes. In Christ we are complete and safe. And when we rise again, we shall see God's face in peace. My prayer for everyone listening today is that we will always stay close to God and move towards him and never, ever turn our backs on him and move away. Thank you, Father Jeff, for that wonderful message. And now a reading from the Philokalia. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our holy Neptic fathers with this week's Philokalic nourishment. The soul that is poor in spirit is aware of its own wounds, perceives the encompassing darkness of the passions, and always calls upon the Lord for deliverance. It endures suffering and does not delight in any of the good things of this world, but seeks out only the good doctor and entrusts itself to his treatment. St. Simeon Metaphrastus Just as our body, when it has no soul, is dead and foul, so too the soul, if it does not stir itself to prayer, is dead and wretched and foul. Saints Callistos and Ignatius Fear is the son of faith and the shepherd of the commandments. He who is without faith will not be found worthy to be a sheep of the Lord's pasture. Ilias the Presbyter On October 10 in the Holy Orthodox Church, we commemorate the holy martyrs Eulampios and Eulampia at Nicodemia. Although Eulampia died before beheading, in beheaded Eulampios's crowns she shares, on the 10th, they felled Eulampios and sister Eulampia. At the time of a vicious persecution of Christians ordered by the Emperor Maximian, some of the faithful of Nicodemia fled the city. Eulampios saw the imperial decree stuck onto a wall and laughing at it, took it down and tore it up. He was immediately brought to trial for this. When the judge urged him to deny Christ, Eulampios began in return to urge the judge to deny the false idols and accept Christ as the one living God. Then the judge ordered that Eulampios be flogged until the blood flowed. His sister Eulampia ran to join him in suffering for Christ, and she was likewise harshly beaten. Finally, Eulampios was beheaded, but Eulampia breathed her last before the same could be done to her. Two hundred other Christians who had come to the faith in Christ by seeing the power and miracles of the brother and sister were also slaughtered. All were crowned with wreaths of martyrdom and entered into their immortal, heavenly home. On this day, 
We also commemorate Venerable Theophilus, the Confessor of Bulgaria, and Venerable Ambrose of Optina. By the intercessions of thy saints, O Christ God, have mercy upon us. Amen. from our Orthodox Library. Our Father who art in heaven, a chapter from the Lord's Prayer by Archimandrite George. The Lord's Prayer begins with this invocation. The Lord teaches us to name God Father. Father because he is our creator and maker, the grantor of being, of life. Father because for us Christians, he is also the grantor of well-being of the adoption which he gave us through Jesus Christ. Before Christ, due to our apostasy from our Heavenly Father, we were not only separated from him, but we were also his enemies. Jesus Christ, the Son of God the Father by nature, with his incarnation and his crucifixion, reconciled us to God the Father and made us his children by grace. With holy baptism, we received the grace of adoption, Thus we became brethren of Christ, who is the firstborn amongst many brethren. Therefore he is Father because he grants us life, and not only life, but his life in Christ. As St. John Chrysostom writes, He who calls God Father, confesses through this sole appellation, deliverance from sins, and retraction of hell and righteousness and sanctification, and redemption and adoption, and heritage and brotherhood to the only begotten Son, as well as to the granting of the Holy Spirit. Addressing as Father, our all-holy God and almighty Creator of everything, we confess what He has done for us, His unworthy children, and mostly what He has done through our Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. Thus, the invocation Father brings us closer to the Trinitarian God. St. Maximus the Confessor writes, Justly the Lord teaches those who pray to promptly start from theology. He also introduces us to the mysterious ways of the cause who created all beings, who is actually the cause of all beings. Because the words of the prayer contain the revelation of the Father, of his name and of his kingdom, so that we learn from the very start to respect and worship the Trinity in one. Because the only begotten Son is the name of God the Father with substantial hypostasis and the Holy Spirit with substantial hypostasis is the kingdom of God the Father. His infinite love and charity allow and impel us to name him our Father. The mind of the pious man is amazed. Who will give me wings like the doves according to the psalm St. Gregory of Nyssa writes? so that I am able to ascend over all things perceptible by the senses, over those that are changed and altered, 
to ascend over to the unchangeable and unalterable, and with an unmoved and unwavering state of soul, to dwell in him first, with my will, and afterwards, to invoke him with the very familiar invocation and say, Father, what soul must have he who has spoken to God? What boldness, what conscience? Great and priceless is the gift. As many times as we want, we can address God and call him our Father. Still, when the Christian is rendered worthy and perceptibly receives the grace of the Holy Spirit, then he feels in his heart the paternity of God and his own sonship. He feels filial and tender love towards God the Father. He feels like an affectionate son to a loving father. A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favourite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. Until next week, God bless.